One of the ways that Kabbalah teaches concepts is through the meaning of numbers. I would like to focus in two numbers that probably, according to everybody, they are very famous. Let's call them Kabbalistic numbers. One of them is the number seven. We find many aspects of the Torah based on the number seven, the Shabbat. Every seventh day of the week we rest. We also find in Pesach and in Sukkot, is according to the Torah, seven days. Then we have seven weeks between Pesach and Shavuot. Then in the Menorah, we also find seven branches, seven branches, and so forth. There are many aspects in the Torah based on the number seven. Even in nature, we find the number seven, the seven colors of the rainbow, the seven notes of the musical scale. So seven, according to Kabbalah, is a very, very important number. And the se secondly, the number 10, we know in, in, a, in aspects of a practice, like you need 10 men to make a minyan, to say Kaddish, and to be able to read the Torah. We know there were 10 plagues in Egypt. There are the Ten Commandments. Why and what is the deeper meaning of the numbers 10 and 7? Kabbalah explains that God reveals seven attributes of his, of his perfection to the world. And through these seven, uh, ten attributes, he runs the world. The first three are more like in the planning and in the wisdom and in the information contained in, in the world. And then the other seven have to do with how God runs the world. And these are called the ten sefirot. Three in the planning and seven they have to do more, more <clears throat> with the history of the world. The famous Rav Kiva correlated some of these sefirot to historical events that transpire from the time of the Exodus until the building of the first temple. Rav Kiva bases his explanation in a verse that we actually recite in the synagogue, in the shul, whenever we bring out the Sefer Torah from the Ark. The verse says as follows, Your Hashem is the greatness, the strength, <clears throat> the splendor, the triumph, and the glory. Even everything in heaven and earth, Your Hashem is the kingdom and the sovereignty over every leader. These verses are the basis of the seven sefirot, of the seven attributes through which Hashem runs the world. So says Rabbi Kiva the following. The first one is, yours Hashem is a greatness. When did the world, and specifically the Jewish people, were able to appreciate Hashem's greatness, Hashem's kindness and love for the Jewish people? Says Rabbi Kiva, at the time of the split of the Red Sea. We know that after the Exodus, the Egyptians pursued the Jewish people and wanted to kill them, to destroy them. And Hashem made a huge miracle. God made a huge miracle. He split the waters of the Red Sea. And Jewish people were able to escape from the Egyptians. And then as the Egyptians went into the dry land of the Red Sea, God brought back the waters of the sea and ended up drowning the Egyptians. Through this act, the Jewish people were able to experience the love, the kindness, and the greatness of God. Continues Rabbi Kiva. The next, the second attribute is the strength. Says Rabbi Kiva, the strength re relates to the death of the firstborns. 
we know that there were 10 plagues in Egypt. And the number 10 was that at midnight, God killed all the firstborn of the Egyptians. That was justice and strength as a punishment for everything that they did for, to the Jewish people. Continuing Rabbi Kiven, the third attribute, and says, Yus Hashem is the splendor. This is a Rabbi Kiva. This is a reference to the giving of the Torah. The Torah is the beauty and the splendor of God's wisdom, of God's wisdom that was given to the Jewish people. Then the fourth one, Yus Hashem is the triumph. Very interestingly, says Rabbi Kiva, this is reference to Jerusalem. Why? Because Jerusalem is surrounded by mountains. And it's like a fortress that helps Israel to triumph over its enemies. So when King David was able to conquer Jerusalem and make Jerusalem into the capital of the Jewish people, that shows that showed God's triumph in the world. And finally, the fifth attribute that Rabbi Akiva links to a historical event, the Hod is the glory of Hashem. Where was the glory of God experienced in the world? Through the temple that was built by King Solomon, the son of King David. Our sages teach, just like the events that transpired at the time of the Exodus, similar events are going to transpire at the end of history in the coming of the Messiah. So I would like to relate these five attributes of Rabbi Kiva to modern events, and then add the last two to be the total seven aspects of the revelation of God's attributes that feel out how they're going to transpire at the time of the Mashiach. I think four of them will really experience them, and three are about to come with the Messiah. The first one, that is Hashem's greatness, Hashem's love, Hashem's love, God's love, and God's kindness to the Jewish people. Whether we see that in modern times, I think in the existence of the state of Israel. You know, there's a very famous saying by Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister of Israel, that he himself wasn't much of a religious person. And nevertheless, he said, when it comes to the state of Israel, if you don't believe in miracles, you are not realistic. Every aspect of the state of Israel is a miracle. To begin with the fact that he was able to start with the recognition and the official validity of the UN by more than two thirds of the nations of the world, they voted yes for the independence of the Jewish state. Then to able to survive the wars against or its enemies, and then how such a young state is able to be such a, a pot, uh, uh, an unbelievable state, a power state in the world, in every aspect of its economy, its development. Uh, it's unbelievable how such a young state can be among the top states of the world. I would say this is one of the of the of the miracles of modern history. This is. To you, Hashem, is the greatness and the love and the kindness towards us. Then the second one is the strength. Where can we say that we experience in modern times the, the strength of God and the punishment in favor of protecting and saving the Jewish people? I would say in the fact that the Nazis didn't win the Second World War. Probably American TV 
and movies makes us think that the Americans were so smart and the Germans were so stupid. But it's not like that. The Germans could, could have easily win the Second World War and there would have been a tragedy. But God stopped them in many ways, in many miraculous ways. As an example, when Rommel, the general, the German general, was marching throughout North Africa, moving towards Israel, over 600,000 Jews living in Israel were terrified that if Rommel would have gotten to Israel, he would have also taken them to be exterminated like the rest of the Jews. And miraculously, God stopped Rommel in Egypt and he wasn't able to make it to Israel. A second aspect, like Hitler decided to go and fight against Russia, and that was one of the reasons he ended up losing the war. And also in the D-Day, when the Allies were able to cross from England to France, and from there go and defeat the Germans. And like those, there were many other miracles involved in the fact that uh, the Germans didn't win the Second World War. I think by that we can see your God is a strength. Then the third attribute of God's uh, revealing his perfection into the world, Rakiva said, is the giving of the Torah. This was in Mount Sinai, as we all know, we spoke about it. How do we see that in modern days? Just look what was going on today. How much Torah is being taught all over the world? How much story has been traduced into every single language people can just access even by internet, even listen to this podcast. You can hear unbelievable aspects of the Torah. There's a concept called the Daf Yomi, learning one page of the Talmud that it takes seven and a half years, with hundreds of thousands of people are learning it, and also learning different aspects of Alaha, like Jewish practice and observance. It's unbelievable the amount of people that are learning Torah nowadays. So I can definitely say one of the miracles of nowadays, yours Hashem is the splendor, yours God is the beauty of so many people learning your beautiful Torah. The fourth element is Jerusalem. Very interestingly, let me tell you an unbelievable prophecy going back to the Zohar, the, the main book of the Kabbalah, says the Zohar, the Zohar, and I mentioned this in the previous podcast, that there has to be a preparation before the year, the end of the year 6000, to prepare humanity to the cosmic universal Shabbat. So says the Zohar that 272 years before the end of the sixth millennia, there's going to be an unbelievable light that's going to shine in the world, prepare, preparing the Jewish people in the world for the coming of the Messiah and the entering of the seventh millennia. So which year, according to the Jewish chronology, does it bring you 272 years before the year 6000? The year 5728. That is the year 1967, 1968. What, what happened in the, in the year 1967? The Six-Day War. Interesting, Six-Day War, that was the name given to that war, that is a reference to the concept of six years equals to 6,000 years. And as a preparation, that's when God gave back to the Jewish people Jerusalem. 
since the destruction of the Second Temple, almost 2,000 years ago, Jerusalem went back to the hands of the Jewish people on a miraculous way. You can read, you can see even videos about the miracles of the Sixth War. It was an unbelievable um, occurrence that Jerusalem came back to our hands. So this is to show Hashem, yours is the triumph over the enemies of the Jewish people and getting back Jerusalem into our hands. Then there are three more that are still pending. The fifth, which is also mentioned by Rabbi Kiva, was Yus Hashem is the glory. And he said this is a reference to the temple. The temple that was built by King Solomon, but then it was destroyed and was rebuilt as a second temple and again was destroyed. So we're waiting for the Messiah to come and build it again. We have Jerusalem but we don't, we, don't, we don't want just to have Jerusalem. We want Jerusalem with the temple on it. Let me tell you a beautiful, very interesting insight based also on Kabbalah. Now, what is the holiest part of Jerusalem? Probably you would say the Kotel, the Western world. And de definitely it really is. And this is one of the greatest uh, aspects that happened in 1967 that we were able to go back to pray in the Western world. According to Kabbalah, when a person dies, there's a bone in the back of his neck that it doesn't decompose. And through that bone, the, we're gonna speak about it later on in different podcasts, that the deaf people are gonna resurrect from that bone. Besides that, Kabbalah explains not only that bone doesn't disintegrate, but when the person dies, there's some, what is called in Kabbalah, the vapor of the bones, which is an aspect of the soul that remains next to the remains of a person after he decomposes. So from these two uh, parts, one is that little bone is called the loose in Hebrew, from the loose bone, and from the vapor of the bones, which is a spiritual aspect of the soul, the resurrection is going to start for every individual. So says Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, the great Kabbalist, in a way, the Western wall is a loose bone, as it were, of the temple. And that's why it's also being prophesied that the Western wall will never be destroyed. And it's really also an unbelievable fact that so many times Jerusalem was conquered after the destruction of the Second Temple, and many aspects of Jerusalem were destroyed, but that Western Wall was never destroyed. And that was also a prophecy by God that it will never be destroyed. And why? Because the presence of God is hovering over there. Just like the loose bone of the person, from there the person is going to be rebuilt as a when the resurrection of the dead happens. In a way also, when the third, the third temple is going to be rebuilt, that is going to come from that Western Wall that will never be destroyed. And just like there's an aspect of the soul called the vapor of the bones and a spiritual aspect of the soul that remains with its body, the same thing, the presence of God is always there in the Western world. And that's why it's such a holy place. But we want not only that, the Western world, we don't, we don't want only that little bone. We want the entire temp temple to be rebuilt, and that would be God's glory. 
So soon, you know, days we hope that's going to happen. And like this, we can um, correlate the five attributes mentioned by Rabbi Kiva that he mentioned them in the past to modern aspects. But then I would like to continue to the last two. And as I explained, the seven days of creation, the six days that God took to create the world and the seventh he rested, they are a correlation to these seven attributes of God. So which are the last two? According to Kabbalah, one of them is called foundation, and the, la the last one is called kingship. kingship. I don't want to explain now, in terms of Kabbalah, the role of, one of, each, one, one of each one of these attributes, but I would like to focus more in, in their historical manifestation, as Rabbi Kiva did. The sixth one relates to the first coming of the first Messiah. People know it's famous, the concept of the Messiah, but it's not so famous the aspect that we're speaking about not only one Messiah, but two Messiahs. So what is the Messiah? The Messiah really means is a king. Why do we call it Messiah? Because in Hebrew, the word Messiah is Messiah, the anointed. According to Torah, the way a king is being uh, nominated and is being declared to be into a king is through putting on his head, anointing him with oil. And that is the root of the word, Messiah, to the anointed one. And that is the English, the Messiah. According to Kabbalah, there are going to be two Messiahs, one from a descendant of Joseph, the son of Jacob, of Yaakov. And then the final one and the most famous one is going to be Mishiach ben David, the Messiah descendant of the house of King David. We need two Messiahs in order to transform humanity and prepare it for the final stage. The first Messiah, a descendant of the house of Joseph, is going to come as the leader of the Jewish people, and still the world is going to run in a normal way. However, in the Tanakh, in the Bible, it speaks that things that can happen at the time of this first Messiah, one of them is a war of all the nations, is called the War of Gog or Magog. Gog is in the verses in the prophet Yeheskel, Ezekiel, chapter number 38. Gog is the name of the king. That's how the prophet Ezekiel calls him over 2,000 years ago, Gog of the nation of Magog. Nowadays, we don't know who, whose nation is that, but it's brought in the prophecies, also in the prophet of Zechariah, that at the end of days, they're going to come and fight against the Jewish people. And the leader of the Jewish people that's going to stand to protect the Jewish people and to fight against them is going to be this first king a descendant of the tribe of Joseph. So according to Kabbalah, this sixth attribute of God revealing, revealing himself into the world is going to be this first king, the descendant of Joseph. And through him, God is going to defeat all these nations and he's going to become recognized 
יתגדל ויתקדש, he's going to become great and sanctified and holy, and everybody's going to recognize God. And then right after is going to come the second king, a descendant of the house of David. There's the Mashiach ben David. And through that, the seventh attribute of God, which is the attribute of kingship, is going to be revealed. So we can sum up how these seven attributes, and similar to what Avikiva did, they're going to play a role at the end of days, revealing God's glory and bring it to the end with, with the events that are going to transpire in the times of the Messiah. Please go on in the next podcast. I'm going to go into more details, more specifically, on the events that are going to transpire with the coming of the Messiah and the, res the resurrection of the dead. Thank you.